Jones and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Lee defended. Dante's a long three. Won't go. Rebound, and the game is over, and the Suns have won it. Oh, brother. Damian Lee with some huge hoops, and the final is 107-105. The Suns, they do it with an amazing second half. The final call of the season opener against the Dallas Mavericks. You and I were both there at Footprint Center that night in which the Suns were strategically scheduled to open their season against the team that ended their season last year in Game 7 in that same building. And just as there was significance in that matchup then on opening night, there is significance in tonight's matchup against the Dallas Mavericks because for the first time since that playoff series, the Suns are returning to the building where if they had just won one of those three games there, right, it would have been a totally different deal. They go to Dallas up two games to none. They lose on a Friday. They lose on a Sunday. They come back and take a three games to two lead and we think that's it. Okay, Dallas had a nice little run. It's going to be over. And instead, they get their teeth kicked in in that game six by the Mavs and ultimately lose the series. So, yeah. I thought after you played the highlight of the opener, you know, I thought maybe we'd move past the playoffs, no, but no, it's still no, there. No, no, it's still it's there. It's still there. It's still there. I mean, especially when you, okay, the, you remember the final score of that game six, 113 to 86, game six I'm, against the Dallas I, I, I just remember watch, waiting for the Suns to kind of like show some life and make a run. They never did. Nope. They never, they never did. Then they opened, you know, they opened the season with them, and it was an incredible game, you know, that first game, and they won it. They were down. They were down big in that game. They were able to come back and win the game, and now they're playing them again. But I think what we've kind of learned, because now that, you you know, you go through the schedule and you go through, you know, a couple of months, the season opened was, was the October 19th, so... You know, we're six, seven weeks into the season now. Clearly, the Suns are still one of the best teams in the league. And the Mavs, with the loss of Brunson and some of the issues that they've had, the Mavs are not a title contender at this point. Now, that may change come playoff time, but they're not a they're not a title contender right now. They're really struggling. It's more Luka being one-on-one on an island. They they did beat the Knicks, and they beat the hell out of them the other day with, uh, you know, with, with uh, Brunson on New York. But they really struggled. They're five. 500 team that's got a lot of issues and they they don't shoot the ball very well and the, some of the new additions haven't played well for them. They're the 10th seed right now in the Western Conference. I know we're you know barely a quarter of the way through the season, so that doesn't mean much to anybody right now, but just relative in context to everybody else. They're number 10 right now in the Western Conference. Yeah, they did beat the Knicks. They blasted them the other day, but a lot of people who've been watching the Mavs every single day will tell you that's the only way they can win basketball games. Is It's, it's not Luka carrying them. They have to get crazy ridiculous ridiculous hot from three, like unnaturally hot from three. And like, that's the only path they have to winning games. That's exactly what happened against the Knicks. They got nuts hot in that game. Now, last year, the Mavericks were 16 and 18. They were two games under 500, 34 games in. Then they won 36 out of 48. Now, they did make that addition to Kemba Walker, seeing if he could find a way to you know, you know know create some magic and help them. They've really struggled with Christian Wood. He has not been good for them. Began the season shooting very well, but he's really... Remember, he played well against the Suns. They, you know, the Suns had a hard time with him in that game. Yeah. But, you know, they, you know they're not shooting the three. Luka, Reggie Bullock, Maxi Kleber, Dorian Finney-Smith haven't shot the three as well. The defense with, you know, Reggie and Dorian Finney-Smith, they haven't played well. Um, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr., they're counting on him a whole lot. You know who's been a big disappointment for them? Jamel McGee. 
Javale McGee to give him three years of contract. Oops. They thought he'd come in. He hasn't been good for them. So there's a lot of things that aren't going right for the Mavs right now. But you're 100% right. The only way they win basketball games is to bomb it away from three. If Luka doesn't carry them and win like they did when they crushed the Knicks the other day at Madison Square Garden because they hit all those three points. Well, I mean, before that stretch, Luka was, we talked about this on Friday when you were gone, Luka was putting up some unbelievable numbers in their last five or six games. He was averaging like 30 points, 11 rebounds per game, shooting like 53%. They were one in five. They were one in five during that stretch. It didn't matter what Luka was doing. There's only so much one guy can do. Now, it's a long season, and they've got a lot of time to figure it out, and your point is a good one. Last year, they kind of figured out, and they became that threat again. For me, honestly, okay, tonight, yeah. Tonight's a big deal. You're going back to a building where you couldn't win one game in that best of conference, that, that best of seven series, and that was the difference in that series. For me, it's the stretch this week. I'm really excited as a Suns fan about the stretch. It's Dallas tonight, Booker versus Luka. Not to make it an individual thing, but Booker versus Luka. Then it's Boston on yeah. Wednesday, Booker versus Tatum. Mm-hmm. Then it's the Pelicans on Friday. Then it's the Pelicans on Sunday. This week, not that we need to have a lot told to us about the Suns. We know they're good. This week, we're going to find out a lot about them. The schedule gets real tough this week, and I kind of want to see how they navigate it, these four it's games. It's tough. No Tory Craig right now. No Chris Paul right now. No Cam Johnson right now. Right? They're, they're devastated with these injuries. So when you play the good teams, it's uh, you know it becomes a lot harder to win those basketball games without those guys. Look, they keep saying Chris Paul's close. He's close. He's close. Okay. it's It's been, what, 13 games that he's missed? Yeah. I believe 13 games. so long, honestly, I've kind of lost track. I know. I know. We're going to talk about that later, too. But you know, and then Cam, you know, Cam's going to be out for a while. That Tory, that that, that uh, Jay Crowder trade is coming. Like it's coming. Like it's like I can't imagine that this is this is the month, right? This has to be the month, right? <laughs> you keep telling yourself uh, that, man. Uh, right? I you keep like saying this, that to I, yourself. This okay. has to be the we'll month. See. I can't imagine that it's not going to happen now. And they'll get a reinforcement there. They'll get somebody that'll be able to come in and help them, and you know, be a part of this. But yeah, that, that's a tough chore. Boston's playing really good. Tatum's an MVP candidate, just like. Book is we we have the odds gone down. Have you seen any odds on Booker lately? Uh, I know it went from fifty five hundred down to three thousand. Right, the I, night after you guys, the night it. after we got in on our uh, yeah yeah went for you went from plus fifty five to three thousand. Yeah. I wonder what it's down to now. I don't know. Because I think he's a top five candidate now. Double authenticator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on. Okay, give me give yeah. me a minute here. I'm checking uh, the uh, checking yeah. the thing here. Checking the thing with your guy. Huh? So you're checking with your guy. No, I'm checking with my guy. App. I'm checking my app. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not checking with my guy. I'm checking the app here. He okay. is the guy. The, yeah. the, the app you is the guy. A, yeah. You don't need a guy that's going to break your legs anymore. <laughs> um He's at plus 2,300. Oh, it went down even more. You got it at plus 5,500. It's at plus 2,300. Wow. The only guys ahead of him Tatum. are Tatum Luka. 1, Giannis 2, Luka 3, Curry 4, and Bede 5. Right now, Booker's running sixth. Okay. On the list. All right. Yeah, so he's... He, well, I mean, look. For Devin Booker, three straight games of 40-plus points or more. I mean, as bad as that game was on Friday, I know. Devin Booker was really good. Again, he had eight what? assists. And, and he didn't – well, no, it was the, the – did he have eight assists against the Rockets? Or are you last, talking about the Spurs night. game? Last, last I was talking night, about the Rockets assists, game. The Rockets game. I was talking about the Rockets game where he had 41. But last night, man, the, the Spurs were doing everything they could to take Devin Booker the score away. Fine. Eight assists. He, he ran that offense like a maestro yesterday against the Spurs. So he's proven he can – do a little bit of everything. But yeah, I would think 
for Devin Booker's MVP candidacy. This is kind of a big week going up against Luca, going up against Jason Tatum. Yeah, yeah, this stuff matters a little bit. I think you know that it matters. They they, they rested him right. They they definitely rested him in that game last night yep, against the Spurs because sure. they were blowing him out. Um, Brett Brown said the threes for the most part were a byproduct of the rotation. That was on us. That was the game plan to jump Booker, who's been great. So their game plan was to jump Book. We're going to try to stop Book. And what happened is the Suns hit 19 three-pointers because Book's a good passer. You'll hear the game at 6.30 tonight here on Arizona Sports, 98.7. Yeah, 6.30. Yeah, 6.30, sir. The game time's 6.30? Yes. Oh, okay. That's right, it's in Dallas. Yeah, it's in Dallas. Um, also, for the Suns, as you mentioned, no Tory Craig, no Chris Paul, no Cam Johnson, no Jake Crowder. Dwayne Washington Jr. has also been added to the Suns injury report because apparently James Jones just likes throwing challenges at his guys. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't wait till he's like, we're going to play four guys against your five and watch, we're going to beat you. You know what they're going to announce? Uh, the Phoenix Suns have announced today they've added John Gambadoro to the active roster. Oh, well, I'm going to prove that I can win with that starting six-year-old talk show host. <laughs> I'm going to prove, I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna prove the, that I can win with him. Devin Booker can play next to just about anybody and will still win basketball games. Apparently, yeah. that's what he's going for tonight. Sign a 10-day contract. 6.30 tip time for those of you keeping score at home. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, the transfer portal taketh. But apparently the transfer portal also giveth. It's already been a busy day for Kenny Dillingham and ASU. We'll tell you the latest next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Now, uh, we've got Kenny Dillingham who's joining us in studio on Wednesday for a handful of segments, two fifteen is when we're going to have him on. Two fifteen, fifteen on Wednesday. Looking forward to meeting Coach Dillingham in person. I think I met him once at some point. I can't recall, but um, that is coming up on Wednesday. So we'll be able to get really, really in depth with him about the state of his program, the job, and how it all went down. He was a guest on Bickley and Murata's show on Friday, and on Friday he said, "Look, I, I'm not going to go re-recruiting guys who you know who might enter the." transfer portals. I want guys who want to be here. Job one is to meet with our guys and uh, contrary to what a lot of people do nowadays, it's not to convince people not to transfer. I want people who want to be Sun Devils. Uh, I want people who wake up every day, they walk into that building, and they go, man, am I lucky. Man, can I wait? not wait to get to work. And that's what I told everybody that walked through that door is, you know what? This is my dream job. I'm going to be here forever, as long as, long as I can. And we're going to do this the right way. We're going to get people in this building who want to be here. And uh, you'd be shocked how many people want to be here and love this place. And it, it's not a recruiting pitch to keep the guys. It was more a, this is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. Get ready. And so along those lines, today's already been a very newsy day for ASU. Transfer portal is open. And like I said, Gambo giveth and it taketh away. We've had Ladarius Ladarius Henderson transfer portal. Yeah, and that's what just on that one, just no one's really shocked at that. That no one thought he was going to come back. He got invited to one of the, you know, the senior bowl games. So, you know, he could try to go to the NFL or he could try to go somewhere and see if somebody's going to give him a lot of money on an NIL deal. 
Nashville and maybe go try to win a national championship. Not a shock to the people in that building, what I'm told, that Ladarius has put his name in. They were never expecting him to come back. Defensive lineman Omar Norman Lott, yeah, transfer good, portal. Good. And that's a good player. Like, you're losing a good player there, you know? And that's that's the thing. Now, listen, these kids could always come back. There's no harm in putting your name in, seeing what's out there, and then you could come back. So once you put your name in a portal, it doesn't mean, okay, that's it. You can never come back. It's just you put your name in the portal, but you, you still there's still a way for you to come back if nothing else hits. Running back Daniel Nagata has put his name in. Jace Feely, the son of our friend Jay Feely, has put his name in the transfer portal. He made yeah. an announcement on Twitter Nagata, today. Look, Valade was their top running back. He's, he, he graduated. He was a one-year transfer. He, had a, he was really good for them. Nagata's just doing what every other running back is is out there, trying to see you know what's out there for me. Is there anything out there for me? Now, you've got Tevin White, but I imagine ASU will get their next running back in the portal, just like they did with Valade last year. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's this morning, the news cycle was kind of populated by guys leaving. Now, within the last couple of hours, there have been reports from Chris Cartman over at SunDevilSource.com and others of guys coming in. Saguaro defensive end Tristan Monday, transfer, according to his bio, transferring from Wisconsin to ASU. Oregon transfer offensive lineman Bram Walden, also another f- former Saguaro product, transferring into ASU. Just saw a note on Twitter from Cartman that a tight end from Cal Poly, ASU just hired their offensive coordinator to be, or their head coach to be the new offensive coordinator under Kenning Dillingham. Apparently he's transferring as well. Josh Cuevas, who is transferring to ASU. This is college football in 2022. Man, this transfer portal, guys are coming out, guys are coming in, guys you lose, you're going to replace through the transfer portal. There's NIL money, so who knows how much money has been promised to guys who are going in or coming out. It's a very, just like last year, very confusing time. But understand, for everyone you lose if you're ASU, there's a... Yeah. A ton of guys out there you can go get in this portal now if you want. Now listen to this. The Arizona Wildcats. They have not added anybody via the transfer portal that I know of, but they have lost a lot of players. Dorian Singer, the top receiver in the conference, transferring. Jackson Turner, the safety. Kion Bars, the defensive tackle. Colby Cage, the linebacker. Jamera Joyner, a wide receiver. Paris Shan, the defensive tackle. Drake Anderson, a running back. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players from the Wildcats of Arizona have entered the transfer portal. I got to be honest with you, man. I don't, I really don't like this at all well, in college football. Honestly, tough. Yeah, I know. It is what tough. it is. I it's mean, okay. I mean, you, you can sit there and say, uh, be all that about it, but this is it. This is, this is the new way of the world. The I'm just way. saying, I don't like it. It's crazy because it's a, it's almost like free agency in football. Yes. I mean, that's what it's it a, is. No, you know what? It's not almost like it. It's exactly like it. It's exactly because, okay, I don't know if it's like this for every kid. I doubt it's like this for every kid. But I got to imagine. Who was the U of A wide receiver, the top guy? Cow, uh, Cowing. Okay. Doria, um, Dorian Singer. Dorian Singer. Dorian okay. Singer. Thank you. Dorian Singer. I got to imagine for Dorian Singer, he knows that on the other end of that transfer portal is money. He knows it. He's been told it. I, I don't. I don't know that for a fact. He has to know it. Yep. He has to know it. He has to. Just like the guys at ESU lost last year. Look, they lost him to what? Florida, LSU, USC. 
There's money on the other end of that. You know it. You, you've been probably off the record through some back channel conversation. You've probably been told somebody out there is ready to pay you to transfer to their school. That's the only it, way you would leave. It's exactly like free agency. And so that's why ASU and every program out there needs to build up the NIL money, needs to have that money ready to go, needs to, needs to have that money ready to spend. It's why the, we'll talk more about this a little later on in the show. The Deion Sanders to Colorado news is going to be fascinating to watch because he's a lot of guys going to want to come play for him. Is the money going to be there to pay those guys to play for him? That's got to exist, right? It's not just enough to go play for Deion. There's got to be some money involved, too. Look, I don't like it either. But it's the way of the world. Yeah, and I'm not saying football. like I get it. It's just it's so it's just so different, you know. It's just so, you know. Wow. I mean, you, you get these players, and then they could all just a year later they could leave. I mean, and she, and why am I leaving? Well, you know, I I, I can get make more money somewhere else. Well, okay, that's I that's, can maybe I could win a national championship. Maybe I can go to a better program. So, I, I guess in some ways, maybe you know, you go somewhere and it doesn't work out. Like if it's not working out for you and you're not playing, okay, then you know, in the past you could transfer. It wasn't a portal. You would transfer. You'd sit a year out, and sure. then you could go transfer somewhere else. Now it's just like man. Hit the portal and you want to get a new team by tomorrow. I know you've never been a big fan of kids transferring. You want kids to stay put and kind of ride it out. There is part of me that sort of understands where for most of these kids, not all, but most of these kids, this is going to be their last opportunity to play like big time football. Yeah, they're not going to be. Yeah. And so you want to finish out your football playing life by playing somewhere where you get to play. And not just sitting on the bench and watching. And I, and so I, I get that. What, what's fascinating to me about this thing, like a new coach comes in, I get it. Guys want to transfer. Guys want to leave because guys, man, Herm recruited me. I don't know anything about Kenny Dillingham. I want to go. That's what makes the U of A thing more interesting to me. That's not a new coach down there. That's not a new program. That's not a new system. It's an established guy who's been there a couple of years, and they're still choosing to leave. Now, you know, that's part of it. You have a successful year, and some big program comes knocking on your door. But you get a guy like Kenny Dillingham coming in. Don't you almost expect he's going to lose a crap ton of guys in the portal because he's the new coach. He's the new. Yeah. You know, I'm there's bringing no, my own guys. Right. Wait, just right. All of these schools are going to add. Singer led the Pac-12 in receiving yards. 1,105. Oh, I'm sure he's a commodity. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a com- I'm sure he's got some big school knocking on his door. Yeah, so he, you know, he's going to have offers from a bunch of different people. There's going to be, he already did his, you know, thank you, Tucson with the heart. I'd like to give a huge thanks to the man above for giving me the opportunity to play. And then I appreciate my teammates, all of that stuff. There are all, there are all these goodbye letters that are coming out right now. <laughs> this kid was a walk-on. He was a walk-on in 2021. And now he's like the best pass catcher for Jed Fish. He was phenomenal. I mean, he was really, really good. Him and Jacob Cowing together. So now he's got an opportunity to go like, turn this into maybe some money or go play somewhere where he has a chance to shine and you know not be on a, on a team that's not going to go to a bowl game, but be on a team that has a chance to you know to go to some big bowl games, maybe compete for a national championship. Real quick note on ASU2 over the weekend, it was reported that Brian Ward is going to be their new defensive coordinator. He was formerly at Washington State. He was the D.C. there. He's set to join ASU in the same capacity under Kenny Dillingham. That according to Pete Thamel, who reported over the weekend. Washington State had a pretty badass defense this past 
past season. They led the Pac-12 in scoring defense under 20 points per game. They were third in yardage at 366 yards per game, third in fumble recoveries, fourth in sacks, tied for second in defensive touchdowns. According to reports, it hasn't been officially announced yet. According to reports, he's the guy who's going to be the D.C. under Killing. Yeah, it's good to see him start to fill out that staff right now. We'll have Dillingham in studio on Wednesday for three segments. Talk ASU football. We'll talk about his staff. We'll talk about the the portal and how it's affected him and what the plans are. So really looking forward to taking a deep dive into ASU football on Wednesday. Even without the Cardinals playing this weekend. A ton of games, a ton of storylines, a lot of stuff happened in the NFL yesterday. We'll cram in everything we can next on the Burns and Gambo Show. The home of Arizona Cardinals football. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Big Red Monday, presented by Sanderson Ford with Burns and Gambo. Hand off, Davis up the middle, first down, coming left, 10, 5, Malik Davis. You get a touchdown. Touchdown. That's not obnoxious at all from the Dallas Cowboys play-by-play announcer. Yeah, 54-19. It was humiliating last night. What was it, 33 points in the fourth quarter? For Dallas? I think for Dallas? I, think it was, I, I stopped watching it long before then, but it was like, I think I read this morning, they scored 33 points against the Indianapolis Colts last yeah. night on Sunday Night Football. It was, Eight touchdowns total, I think it was? I believe so, yeah. Mm. I, I believe so. Um, that was yeah. part. 54-19 route of the Colts, 9-3. Uh, and three. They're hot right now. They won five out of their last six. Uh, national stage, this, you know, this, you start to look at the NFL, FC and you got Philly, you got Minnesota, you got the Cowboys. I mean, I don't, I, you know, we always talk about, well, I, I could pick two teams that are going to be in it. This year's two completely different, man. This year's different. None of us would have, would have picked the teams that can win it now. We would have picked Tampa. We would have picked the Rams. We would have picked Green Bay at the beginning of the season. None of those teams are going anywhere. And it's Dallas, Philly, and Minnesota, maybe San Fran, but maybe on the outside looking in after the injury and, to Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's what I think is the big story coming out of this week 13 in the NFL as we kind of hit, you know, since the Cardinals didn't play, we can kind of hit zoom out and look at the whole big picture. Is that I think most people would have said in the AFC, it's either going to be Kansas City or Buffalo. It's just a, we're all just counting down the, the minutes and the hours until the Chiefs and the Bills get to play in the AFC Championship game. The Cincinnati Bengals are making an announcement. Hold your horses. Yeah, yeah. Slow down a little bit because Kansas City... We've beaten them three straight times Isn't now. Isn't that crazy? It's nuts. I think Joe Burrow just became the first quarterback to ever beat Patrick Mahomes three times, right? Or the Mahomes actually, I didn't get to read it, but there was a story about it. Mahomes talking about like why he, why they've struggled against the Bengals in the past because they have struggled against them. So, you know, the, you know, right now Kansas City is the the two seed in the AFC playoffs, actually behind Buffalo, even though they're both nine and three. So uh, they're the two seed. But that was Joe Burrow. He's, he's considered like the the Kansas City killer with the stretch that he's had against them. He has. He he's played. Exceptionally well, and, and and to me, and you know, I, I you asked me last week what team do I root for now that it's very obvious the Cardinals aren't getting to the postseason, and I would tell you the Bengals. I enjoy watching Joe Burrow. I enjoy watching Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase, his first game back, man, he was really talking all kinds of mess to the Kansas City Chiefs that whole game. And I, you know, I don't know that that makes up for a really interesting storyline if these two teams meet again in the postseason. Can you climb that mountain? Can you get over that 
hump if you're Kansas City. The Chiefs don't have anything to prove to anybody with how good they've been, but there is something about the Bengals and how they seem to have Kansas City's numbers. So maybe the AFC isn't this two-horse race. Maybe it's opened up to a third team, yeah. and maybe that third team is the Bengals. Yeah, we've seen how they the, play. We've seen the Buffalo. We've seen the Bills have a little bit of a, of a struggle in the last few weeks. But this is, is interesting. The Chiefs have the league-best record since Mahomes took over as the starting quarterback in 2018. They've got 59 wins and 18 losses. If you include the playoffs, they've beaten 29 of the 31 other teams in the league. They're 0-1 against Seattle. They've only played one game against Seattle. They've never played Minnesota. So they've never played Minnesota. They're 0-1 against Seattle. The only team that's beaten them three times is the Bengals. All three since, you know, since 2022 started, they, they've beaten them. So it is interesting the Bengals seem to have their number. They're not afraid of them, clearly. clearly. And that could be a heck of a playoff matchup if they meet up again. All right, so that was one of the games yesterday that obviously had big-time implications for the postseason. One of the other ones, we talked about this earlier with the Jimmy Garoppolo injury. That was a heck of a performance by the San Francisco 49ers against the Miami Dolphins. They made Tua look very mediocre yesterday for most of that game. He had a good opening drive, and then after that, really struggled until the fourth quarter. That defense was giving him the business. Three turnovers, I think that matched his season total going into that game. San Francisco's defense showed you why there's some belief around the league that they're going to figure it out without Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance because that defense is so good. Yeah, and that was the thing in that game. What they did to Tua was remarkable. Now, they needed that win because Seattle won. So it really helped San Francisco to kind of hold off Seattle. San Francisco right now is the three seed. Seattle is the seven seed. So the 49ers um, are in a good spot. They're eight and four while you know Seattle is behind them. So that was an important game for them. But yeah, it was incredible how good that defense played. I think they did. They sacked them like three. They sacked them a whole sacked bunch of times. Like three times, I think. Yeah. yeah, they sacked them like three times. They really, you know, got after him, even with the Garoppolo injury, to be able to win that game without him. Tua suffered an ankle injury, but they don't think it's going to be a big deal, so he should be okay. But big win for the 49ers, especially with Garoppolo going down. Yeah, uh, talking about quarterback injuries, Lamar Jackson is hurt again. And so, again, they're going to, like last year, he got hurt. They lost their last five games in the regular season to miss the postseason because Lamar Jackson wasn't able to play. They're not saying it's a season ender this time around for Lamar Jackson, but they're not exactly sure how much time he's going to miss. And that really puts drag on what the Ravens are going to be able to do over these last few games. Yeah. Tyler Huntley, yep. the backup quarterback for the Ravens. And then you look at them and the Bengals and that, that division is going to come down to those two teams. But it does it. It does. You know, he's Harbor's already said Jackson's unlikely to play against the Steelers next week. So uh, whether it's day to day or week to week, we don't know. But Tyler Huntley's going to be the guy that's going to have to come in and win them some games if they want to win that division. Yeah, right now the Ravens are sitting third in the AFC. The Bengals are right on their heels. In fact, they both are eight and four. Uh, but the Ravens have the tiebreaker because of a head-to-head win percentage. They've got the tiebreaker right there. So the Ravens are hanging on. But you got to think Cincinnati is looking at the Ravens like, oh, yeah, you Tyler Huntley, we can catch you now. Yeah, they're we're we're going to get you now. They're at Pittsburgh, at Cleveland, then home to Atlanta, Pittsburgh, and then at Cincinnati to end the season. 
So it very well could come yes. down to that final game. And then the NFC East, which is just such a convoluted, complicated thing right now, made more so by the fact that the Commanders and the Giants tied yesterday. Tied. So And they play each other again. Yes. So that's what that could come down to. The, the loss doesn't really hurt the Giants. It doesn't really help the Giants. It just means that that final... Now, they had a chance to win it, but the kicker missed from like 57 yards. The Giants would have won that game. They were down, I think, 10 nothing. They came back... Um, so I don't think the loss does a lot of damage to them, but you know you're, they're going to play again, and they'll play at Washington, and that you know their their chances may come down to beating Washington in that game. The difference for the two teams is that the Giants first have to play the Eagles and then play the Commanders. The Commanders have a bye before they have to play the Giants again. That's why the Giants are a half game up on them yeah, right so now. There's, yeah, so there's there's a little bit of a break for Washington. The Giants, I hate to say this because I know they're your team. They seem like they're running out of gas a little bit. They seem like they're, come on, come on. I don't think they've won in, what, their last three games now? No, because they... I know they tied yesterday. I don't don't think they have a win in their last three games. So right now they're holding on to the sixth playoff spot just ahead of Seattle. They'd play the 49ers right now in the first round of the playoffs if they got in. Yeah, their schedule's daunting. It's not an easy schedule. You figure they've got to win two more games, I think. If they could win two more games, that would you know, put them at nine wins. They got the tie, so uh, they could be nine... You know, nine seven and one would probably get them in. So they got to find a way to win two games. I think it'll come down to that Washington game. Probably, probably. But the Giants do seem like they're starting their fade. I will tell you who doesn't seem like they're fading at all. The Philadelphia Eagles just wow. demolished Tennessee yesterday. Yeah, and that's you know you look at the NFC East and we're just not you know we're we're, we're just not used to that that conference being so no, good. You mentioned not. the Commanders and the Giants and then the Eagles and the Cowboys are both so very very good. Philadelphia is clicking on all cylinders right now. There's a lot of people that think that they are going to have the MVP of the season in Jalen Hurts. First player in franchise history to throw for 350 yards, throw for three touchdowns and rush for a touchdown in a game. Nobody's ever done that. He hooked up with A.J. Brown for a couple of touchdowns. One was 40 yards. The other was 29 yards. And then that defense, the Eagles defense sacked Ryan Tannehill six times. They shut down Derrick Henry only 11 carries for 30 yards. The Titans offense only 209 yards all day. I think that's the best team. I think that's the best team in the NFC. I, I, I'd be surprised if they don't get out of the NFC and go to the Super Bowl. I'd be surprised, too. Um, I, I think the Cowboys, I know they lost the one time they played the Eagles so far. I'll look really look forward to those two teams playing again. Because, I, I, I look, I hate the Cowboys, but I think the Cowboys are surprisingly good this year. Texas, your thoughts? FanDuel text line is open, as always, at 620-620 here on the Burns and Gambo Show. It is prime time in Boulder, Colorado, and new head coach Deion Sanders, to no surprise, started his campaign with a bang. That's next, Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Where's uh, where's Shador? Shador, and this is your quarterback. All right? He's going to have to earn it. Don't believe that. He's, he's going to have to earn it. Yeah, the quarterback's going to have to earn it. The safety made me mad, so I didn't bring him. His, his brother, he's in my doghouse right now. <laughs> so many things went through my mind. First of all, I'm shocked that he took the Colorado job. It's such a bad program. But... 
kids are going to want to play for him. Yep. I do wonder if Colorado, and you see the amount of money that they're paying Deion Sanders. Was it like $6 million a year, $7 it's, million a year, something like that? Yeah. $29.5 million offer sheet. Five-year contract pending approval. So $6 million a year. Okay. Yeah. And then all these bonuses and oh, everything. sure, sure. That, you know, that is set up for him. That's so, just what we know about, right? I mean, the, the, right. this, the, the five years, $30 million, the incentive bonuses for winning a championship, winning the conference. Win yeah. six games in a season, you get 150000 Go to a New Year's Bowl game, uh, New Year's Six Bowl game, you get 450000 If he's coach of the year, he gets 150000 He gets 100000 for each win after six games. So if you win seven, he gets $250,000. <laughs> if they play in a Pac-12 championship game, he gets $75,000. If he's the Pac-12 coach of the year, he gets $75,000. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of things. Now, he's got to pay 300000 for the contract buyout at Jackson State. What they do? He just made $30 he just million. Made, right. He just- so there's a couple of things. One, I think this is a really smart move for Colorado because it, there's a lot of people that think that Dion's going to do well there because mm-hmm. he's Dion. And if you're if you're a if you're going to leave the Pac-12, you've just become a lot more attractive to somebody because there's only so much that your television market and your academics can do to attract somebody. You know, if they think that you're not a good football program, which Colorado has not been in a long time, you know, you're not really going to be wanted. So Dion going to Colorado to me, it makes them a little bit more attractive if they were to leave the Pac-12. Oh, you I thought about, about it. if Colorado leaves the Pac-12. I was thinking about that. Yeah, if oh. Dion's there for a few years and he turns that program around and they start winning a lot of games, it makes it a lot easier to take Colorado if they do leave. Yeah, this is the thought that crossed my mind. Uh, yeah, I, I mean that that seems. I mean, it just doesn't seem like it feels like realignment's kind of done for now. I mean, I'm sure it'll pick back up in a few years. Oh, but, it will. Um, Colorado athletic director Rick George was asked how Colorado came up with the money to hire <laughs> Dion Sanders. He said, "Quote: <laughs> We don't have the money yet. Yeah, but I know." We will have it, so I'm not worried about that piece. Close quote. Says 90% of Americans when they buy something. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm going to buy this house. I don't know how. I'll uh, pay for it somehow. I'm going to buy that couch. Um, Prime's good. So he comes in, and it's the, this huge show, right? He comes in, and there's all the Colorado players all waiting for him. They give him a round of applause, and he basically tells the whole team to leave. We've got a few positions already taken care of because I'm bringing my luggage with me. Here's Louie. I'm cut. It ain't gonna be no more of the mess that these wonderful fans, the student body, and some of your parents have put up with for probably two decades now. I'm coming. And when I get here, it's gonna be changed. So I want y'all to get ready to go ahead and jump in that portal and do whatever you're gonna get. Because the more you jump in, the more room you make. Because we bring kids. That's smart. Say that smart. Smart. Tough. Tough. Smart. Tough. So so I want you all to get ready to go ahead and jump in the portal and do whatever you're going to get. Because if more of you jump in, the more room you make. Close quote. Yeah, I know it was hard to understand there at the end. The the audio wasn't the the clearest. So he's basically begging guys to leave. He's basically saying, leave so I can bring more guys in. We had speculated earlier that's what he was going to do, right? Like he's going to come in and you... yeah, you, yeah. Guys are going to want to play for him. Lots of guys are going to want to play for him. Lots of guys are going to want to get paid to play for him. So Colorado's going to have to come up with the NIL money to make that happen. And that's going to be another thing. Like, how do they figure that out? Like you, at the end of the day, I'm shocked that that's the job he took. Because it just seems like such a boring program. You know? I mean, I can't think of another way to describe it. It just seems like the 
the least flashy, most dull, most boring place he could have gone. And nothing about Deion Sanders isn't flashy. Nothing about Deion Sanders is boring. It just seems so like, like man, if he can if he can make that bring the pizzazz to Boulder, Colorado and the Buffaloes, he might be able to do it anywhere. I tell you what, if he has success, he won't last there but two or three years. In the last 20 years, in the last 20 years, they've had like two winning records. Oh, they've been terrible. They've in been, a full season. They've been awful. 2016, you know they were 8-1. Mm-hmm. They were, yeah, they, uh, they were 8-1, lost in the Alamo Bowl. And but, but before the one and eight, zero oh and nine, one and eight, one and eight. Because you know how many times they won one game in a season in the last twenty years? One, two, three, four times, and they won two games. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven times they won two. Three is one, two, three. Four times they won three games. So in the last 20 years, it's either a one, two, or three win football program. Yeah. Well, Outside I mean, the outlier when they went eight and one in 2016. You and I are old enough to remember, you know, Colorado was a major powerhouse in college football, right? Under Coach McCarthy and their rivalry with Nebraska and how it seemed like every year they were competing for national championships. Heck, I think they even won one or two, if yeah. I remember right, like 25 years ago. All right. That was a long time ago. The biggest question with Deion Sanders is going to be, can he coach, right? He can recruit. He can sell it. He can, he could ice to the Eskimos, man. He can sell anything to anybody and people will come following. Can he coach them? That, that'll be the big question for him. And you talk about Colorado and their attractiveness, you know, to, to, to keep the Pac 12 together. Yeah. If Dion has any success there, He's not going to be the coach of Colorado the next time conference realignment comes around. He'll go to the SEC. He'll go to a big team. If he's good at Colorado, he'll be gone in three or four years. He's going to have to pay them a lot of money. Those numbers I gave you, by the way, are the conference record, the Pac-12 records. What I was saying, you know, one and eight, one. that was conference records. But I think two winning seasons in the last 20 years, I mean, it's a terrible program. While we're on the topic of how all this might go down, boy, Jim Harbaugh's name got hot, hot, hot in the last 24 hours. But isn't he saying? He's not going to leave. He's saying he's, he's like, not going to leave. Why would he want to leave Michigan? He's, he they beat Ohio State. Now they're playing in the national. Like you, you, you've got Michigan on top again. Like you did it. You got it. Congratulations. They were going to fire you two years ago. Everybody wanted, and now you beat Ohio State two years in a row. You've kind of got your program on top. You play. You're playing for a national championship. You want a four teams. Left. Why would you want to go anywhere? It depends on how much of an itch winning a Super Bowl is to him. You know, it, it depends on how how much getting that itch scratched matters to him because he didn't do it with San. Francisco. He got so close. He was competing against his brother, for goodness sakes, to win a Super Bowl champion. Does he feel like I was reading a big column today about how the Colts should absolutely go after Jim Harbaugh, throw him the money, give him whatever he wants, make him the guy. There's a report from Ian Rappaport that lots of NFL teams are thinking about Jim Harbaugh kind of kicking the tires on whether they want to go after him. It's it's a good point. He's got Michigan in this extreme place of power right now, undefeated. They're beating Ohio State. It just a it depends on the money and how much more he could get coaching in the NFL, and b is there this itch for him to scratch to get back to the pro level and dominate there again to try it again? Pete Carroll did it right. He he, he was in the pros, left, went to college, enormously successful. Yeah. Opportunity came for him to go mm-hmm. back to the NFL. He did wildly successful there. Maybe Harbaugh looks at Pete Carroll and says, "That's my." That's my role model. That's what I want. What would you want, Jim Harbaugh? Here, if there's a coaching change with the Arizona Cardinals, would I you loved want, him as a coach. Do you want Jim Harbaugh? Here, I loved him. 
Coming back to the Lo- NFC West. Loves him as a coach. He was, I, uh, I think Harbaugh's great. Yeah. I always thought, and I think you did too, I always thought he was better suited for college because his personality wears on guys. And at least in college, you only have to worry about those guys for four or five years. Whereas in the NFL, you know, you you, you got guys who are good. Jim Harbaugh's going to be your coach for eight years. Like he can grind you down after four the, or five the years. The problem becomes like the salaries in college are oh, I just, know. just they're something they're better. So he's making, Saban's making $10 million. Harbaugh's making $7 million a year. You go to the NFL, what are they going to pay you in the NFL? Like, go to the top more? NFL. Go, I don't know that they are. More? <laughs> but I don't know that they do pay more. Like, I don't think that they go look at the top NFL coaching salaries. I mean, Belichick, I think, is at the top. Uh, Belichick's at 12 million. Pete Carroll's at 11. McVay's at like 15. Okay. Kyle Shanahan's number four at nine and a half million dollars. That's funny. so your top coaches are somewhere in that nine to, you know, 13 million dollar range, somewhere yeah, around that's there. That's almost double what he's making. That's almost double, right? You say okay, seven, but, but that's what he's making at Michigan. Okay. All you have to do is flirt with another team and they'll throw another two million on there for you. Look, the money could be better. The opportunity is probably what would drive it if he feels like he missed one. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, look at that. It's 4 o'clock here on this Monday, which means it's reset time. All the top stories of the day next on Burns and Gambo.